Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 39. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my effusive, entertaining, and deeply creative guest co-host, Niall McGowan. Welcome, oh, Niall. Stop. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> Oh, thanks for thanks for having me, Duncan. I was uh, enjoyed. I've enjoyed the week. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great week. It's been a lot of fun, you know. Well, let's see what happens here. So, uh, in this minute, Ram tells Flynn what kind of program he is, and then they both get ushered out of the cell to another game trial. Yeah. So after Flynn asks Ram what kind of program he was on the outside, Ram responds that he was an actuarial program. Well, that this is. Yeah, I think I said back in the um, you know the first minute we did, I had a couple of like well you know looking at the looking at the movie now through like adult eyes. That's been your first connection with it. I had a little bit of like why didn't they do this or that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I thought like yeah the fact that so he's an actual actuarial uh, or actuary program, which is basically yeah. as a program designed to assess risk. You know, and he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, it was like the fact that I was helping people, you know, uh, plan for their futures and stuff. And that kind of sets up, in my mind, a certain type of character that Ram turns out not to be. Like, Ram's a very laid back, very brave, very cocksure, kind of like really likable, you know, he's, he's a good dude kind of character. Whereas I thought like, oh, he's a program who's designed to assess risk. Shouldn't he be like really like nervous and fussy and be very much like, you know constantly trying to like work out like oh i think that'd be a bad idea and like you know constantly worried of like overly worried about the levels and of this well yeah he the... could become almost like a c3po character so you're like well geez there's a 78.3 percent chance that we're gonna die if we do that i don't think we should you know yeah, like yeah. he'd have that kind of that just seems like cause or, the, uh, the fact that they've, they've gone out of their way to make sure like oh you know that exactly what kind of a program he is like, why why wasn't he like that? Was was this a deliberate attempt to sort of like counter what your assumption of the character would be? Or? I think I think it's at the heart of it, it was to make him be like nerdy and useless. Mm. Like at the heart of it, it's to make him be like weak. Like these are the these are the types of programs that are your allies. These are uh, the types of me... programs that you have to work with. But that's that's another type think, of like you could be emphasizing that more as well. Like fold that in. It's like yeah, nerdy, useless, overly, uh, yeah, know, anxious. It, it doesn't so, make sense because he's really good with the he's really good with the identity disc. Yeah, and yeah, he's got was, this a, a pretty positive attitude about the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it's sort of like it's it becomes a non sequitur because you're like, well, what are you trying to do with this guy? What does the actuarial <laughs> program angle have to do with anything? It's it's also kind of setting up like again talking about like you know tropes and stuff. They set up like, yeah, you know, like people help helping people plan for their futures and stuff. I was like, this is up there with like McBain's partner in The Simpsons showing yeah. him a photo of like the Live Forever it's... boat that he's bought. <laughs> yeah, the Live <laughs> one more one more day and I'll be retired. You know? like, oh, yeah, definitely. Rad. He seems like such a nice guy. Like, oh, he's planning for the future. I hope he has a good future too. I sure hope nothing yeah. happens to him that would uh, yeah, cause. I sure hope nothing happens to him. I also think it would be cool because like. They would give him like it, like he could probably look at some a different program and tell how long that program has to live, well, they, they, or something you know, like that. There's, yeah, totally angles like that. There's, there's things you could do 
now that you've set up the fact that like oh this is you know it's an actuary program so that's that's what he's designed to do but or then like they, just, they just kind of made him like no he's just like he's a good guy he's just your buddy you know he's a good sidekick yeah guy. He's a nice, he's a nice somewhere between Flynn and Tron, right? And I like the, I like the idea, that, or he could have a witty line where he's like, just before he like th- hits somebody with a disc, he's like, I'm an actuarial program. I can tell when you're going to die. You're going to yeah. die right now, you know, <laughs> and then throw the disc and, and take him out. But it's, uh, and also in, in, with that in mind as well, is the fact that they've called him RAM. And so, I yeah. know from computer class, like, oh, RAM's random access memory. And I'm like, yeah. well, what's that got to do with this character? Shouldn't you call him like pro con or something? Because he's yeah. like, yeah, he assesses risk. He's a pro con guy. Like that, that makes sense to me. But like, oh, Ram, it's a, it's a computer thing. It's like I know it's a computer yeah. thing, but why isn't it like Master Control makes sense to me because he is the Master Control program. But this guy just yeah. been called named after random access memory. It's like unless you maybe because you're obviously looking into the film in a much deeper light than I would ever have done. Do you have any? No, it was a uh, it was a random grab bag. They just were like, "Hey, this is something computery. This is a one syllable computery term that we can use." <laughs> and so they just called them. They called them RAM. Yeah, I'm married to Pro. I'm, I'm with you. This is like, well, why? Like, if now if I had a time machine, I'd be going marching into Disney Studios in like 1979 or whenever they started developing this. And be like, listen here, you gotta like uh, we all love Wendy Carlos, but you gotta get Devo in to do the soundtrack here. Yeah, and then this character, <laughs> this guy, look at that Star Wars movie, make him C three PO, and call him Pro Con because that makes sense with the fact of the type of program that he's supposed to be. Well, his name is the only name that really has anything to do with computers because the MCP is just a statement of fact. He is the master control program. That's not really they didn't call him the CPU or something like that. Mm. And then. You know, Flynn is Flynn, Tron is Tron, which is just supposed to be short for electronic. I know there's like a Tron language or a Tron uh, application that that it got created after Tron or just before Tron that the the director was actually had no idea about. The actual the director's like, no, no, I just picked that because Tron is in the word electronic. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> just and imagine then him the folding other... under pressure though, like swaggering into uh, the like oh I'm, yeah oh yeah like, I pass off that i'm a real electronics totally. guy and like totally like, totally meant that and as people go on as like, time passes like the single bead of sweat coming down his forehead like <laughs> okay all right i admit it i have no idea what any of these programs actually are and then the guy that uh is coming up in the next minute his name is crom mm. right so the, the ram's the only one that has a or like yeah like sark Sark is not really anything, so mm-hmm. so yeah, they could have gone with somebody else for where they could have gone with a different name for Ram. It's a serviceable name; it's good enough. It just doesn't really apply to him in any way. Oh. Although thinking of uh, you're talking about the other minute about Tony or about Iron Man and Tron crossovers, to- Tony Sark, someone just paint paint a goatee on uh, David Warner. Stark, you're right there. Yeah, you're there already. <laughs> call him, call him Stark, and then, then yeah, have him go in there. <laughs> Although I think that as as of recording, we're the um, in the lead up to the, the release of Jumanji two, which is actually Jumanji yeah. four, I think. Yeah. Technically. Um, technically. But then that that's another movie. Like, oh yeah, people getting sucked into a computer game. It's like I wonder if there's any talks. Because again, that's Sony. That's the people who did the friggin' oh we're gonna do Twenty One Jump Street and Men in Black together. Like that that kind of mentality. Yeah. I wonder if they would have anywhere in the, in the annals like Tron Jumanji crossover. Is there any way we can do this? Because it's the same idea. Tronanji. What would it be? Tronanji. 
Jutranji. Yeah. I don't know. Try to <laughs> try to mix that up somehow. So, yeah, I like. I was, uh, like hey, if it like gets Jeff idea. Bridges and The Rock in a, in in a movie batting off each other, I'm all for it. <laughs> like just, just give that to me. It's too bad that Men in Black. 21 Jump Street thing didn't go forward because I'd like to see what Lord and Miller would do with uh, Men in Black. I think they would improve the franchise that's, quite a bit. The thing is, like, that's I watched that Men in Black International, and like you took you know a, a pairing of people who were electric in Thor Ragnarok, like you know Tessa yeah. Thompson and Chris Hemsworth, and they made the most. Yeah. Like during the end credits, I forgot I watched the movie. Like it was so yeah. nothing. There was nothing there. I there just yeah. I heard that it. it's. Its major offense wasn't that it was bad. It's just that it was forgettable. It was just bland. It was just a non-event. Mm. Like they, they do the Cardinals in as well. Like they have to have a nod to the original. So then they show you yeah. like a painting of the battle with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in like oh, okay. the, the office at the end. And it's like you just reminded me that Men in Black won. Have like, <laughs> a way, way, way better movie than this. And now I just want to. Yeah, like I, I watched Men in Black like three nights ago. Oh. I was just scrolling through stuff, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't seen this in a while," and I'm, I, it was fantastic. I watched the whole thing; I had a great time. I'm stunned that it's not been done as a movies by a minute yet. Like, I'm sure it's bound to be eventually. I know Liz. It hasn't. Me, it's not been touched. No, I know Liz from Mean Girls. Minute was was oh considering. Oh my gosh! And I think now she's she's uh, tuned into doing the Dune way, way to Dune minute with with. That's the, right. That's George. right. They're doing the Dune. Yeah, but, but I like, I'm also stunned. That's yeah, uh, it's, that's it's, it's just sitting surprising. there. It's, like, it's a beloved franchise. It's like you don't have to touch the sequels. Just just do that. That no. first movie is perfect. Just go and do that. And there's but... a lot there. Like watching Men in Black, I was really shocked that we got a little bit robbed because Linda Fiorentino is so good, mm. and it really set Linda Fiorentino and uh, and Will Smith up for doing the sequel. And then yeah. that didn't. And then that didn't happen. Although, so. from what I've, I've heard of behind the scenes talk of Linda Fiorentino throughout her entire career. Apparently she's very, yeah. very unpleasant. <laughs> she's not a she's not a well liked person in Hollywood. I think it's a bit I of a wonder, kind of yeah. Shannon Dory kind of thing where it's just like, no, people don't like working with her, so that's why she doesn't get work anymore. Yeah, uh, and I wonder though, I wonder how much of that is um is her standing up for herself in a way that people don't find palatable, you know, or charming. Yeah, you know, like I think there's there's something to be like you know, oh, she just kept saying that she should get paid as much as her male co stars, you know, she's really hard to work with. And I'm mm. like, Well, is she hard to work with or is that actually a a really valid point yeah. <laughs> you know so it's hard to it's hard to say what happened behind the scenes there but yeah i've heard the same thing so i always try to take that with a grain of salt so, yeah again from doing the first two seasons of batman where we had to do a, like a hardcore look into sean young because of all the right you know, she was signed up she was vicky vale for a while then got injured was instantly replaced oh. by tim burton uh, was okay. desperate to be Catwoman, like went on talk That's shows right. dressed up as Catwoman, trying to vie right. to get the part and stuff. And like the, always, the reputation of Sean Young is like, oh, she's crazy. She's just an absolute yeah. nutcase. And then looking into her, I'm completely on Sean Young's side now. <laughs> like, I'm, like I think she was yeah. just like she has an odd way about her, but I don't think she did anything yeah. that was, you know, too too like it's you know it's certain legal things she did and whatnot. And I think she like, yeah. weirdly stalked James Woods and stuff for a while. Uh, well, yeah. that's what he claims, at least. And it's, yeah. um, but at the end of it, I was like, yeah, Sean Young really got screwed over by like a lot of people. <laughs> like she actually no, deserved I, a much I, better. I concur. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I concur. And they, they kind of really screwed over with the Blade Runner twenty forty nine too. So I think that was just like, oh, this is a body double. It was just like this. Yeah. 
They got in uh, Jeff Bridges' mate Lloyd to be Sean Young's body double for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's to right. Put Sean Young's face on his face, and there you go. You're done. Uh, we have to talk a little bit about actuarial programs here now that we're cutting into the actuarial program territory. And I'm always, whenever I hear the term actuarial, I always, I always remember um, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. Oh, is that was that his thing as well? Is he an actuary? He was a, he was a, he was, he was an insurance salesman, and he's like, you know, I got friends that live and die by the actuarial tables, but I say, hey, it's all just one big crapshoot, anywho, you know, and he's, <laughs> he's talking there. So oh, if see, I understand they, it, even then, now uh, you, uh, Stephen Tobolowsky as this part, <laughs> like just playing him like Ned Ryerson. <laughs> oh man, Stephen Tobolowsky and Tron, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it's like so many things. Like, uh, I, I really hate the. the I feel like I'm I'm dumping on Ram so heavily here. It's like I don't <laughs> I don't mind him. I don't mind the actor, but it's like they could have done so much more with this part. Dan Shore, you did a great job. We're just yeah. uh, we're just talking about the writing here. Well, the thing is, like, Dan Shore as well is, like, he is a guy I recognize from a thing I grew up on. And, like, I look at him, I'm like, oh, that's Billy the Kid from, uh, yeah, from that's Bill Billy and Ted. The kid. So I was like, oh, I remember that guy. I used to see, I used to watch that movie all the time. Uh, he, he's yeah. also in, um, I don't know if you've, if, like, if you've seen the movie Doppelganger with, uh, with Drew Barrymore, um, that he features in that. And that film is crazy. Like, it's. Really? Oh yeah, like it's it's awful. It's awful, but in like a properly like baffling like like you could watch this with friends having a drink and have a great time, kind of. Because basically, like the first three quarters of it is just basically it's essentially like a porn movie. Like it's all this crappy drama that's really badly acted. You know, this is like you know recovery still kind of happen haze drug Drew Barrymore. Um, you know, early nineties and stuff, and uh, yeah. she comes and she's been like this all this weird stuff like. Oh, she might have murdered her mother, but her she might have an evil twin, and you're not too sure what's going on. And this guy falls in love with her, and there's a lot of sex. Man, did I see that? This is starting to ring a bell now. I might have watched it back. In oh, you remember the end though, because like, um, it's a bit then like, oh, th- this guy reveals himself that he actually was the person who committed all the crimes, dressed up as a as a doppelganger to Drew Barrymore, and you're like, oh, oh this is really stupid. And then he's got Drew Barrymore like tied up on a sofa as he's threatening like the, the male lead. And then apropos of nothing, out of nowhere, it turns into this like full on Hellraiser esque like Cronenberg thing where she morphs into like a giant kind of cocoon and then splits into two people. And it's done in like it's full on like Hellraiser level gore. Where it's like wow. they put a lot of effort into doing these special effects, but at the time, because there's no other lead up to this in the movie, you're just like, "What is happening?" And yeah, like <laughs> one, one of the doppelgangers like kills the guy, the villain, and then they merge back together, and then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> you're like, wow, that you're is just kind of walking away, going, "So was there two of them the whole time? Was that guy committing the crimes as Drew Barrymore, and she also also happened to have a." Because they mentioned this whole thing, she absorbed her her, her twin in the womb, but then oh, the thing okay. she, they morph into doesn't look like a person. It looks like an alien and stuff. It's right, but yeah, Dan Shore is in that movie as well, and the movie is just worth okay. watching for like just the ending, because you just I'm think, gonna have to check that out. It's basically like if you just watched um, like Red Shoe Diaries, and then mm-hmm. flip the channel over to like a really like, <laughs> Hellraiser. Five or something like it's, from, it's from beyond a, or something like that yeah yeah 
but it's a, it's definitely it's worth a watch. But it's not a good movie. But it is in many regards, it is a good movie because you'll you know, unlike Men in Black International, you'll remember Doppelganger <laughs> for years after you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, you'll be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with uh, with actuarial tables, um, they're used for insurance to predict when a person is going to die. It's also called a mortality table or a life table. Mm. For each age, it shows the probability of a person's death before their next birthday. So it's pretty fun times, I guess. <laughs> it's pretty. They can also be macroed in a way to measure an entire population's longevity. So aside from insurance, it's also used in biology and epidemiology which is the study and analysis of patterns and determinants of health and disease conditions in populations. Mm. It's used by the government to calculate upcoming social security demands, for instance. Um, I can see it having very wide-reaching practical applications. You know, like I think that's where we get the baby boomer kind of a thing from yeah. because we have to sort of predict when they're all going to retire and how long they're going to live. Like how much of a burden on the system are they going to be? Because they're the, the hugest chunk of the population, and they're sort of moving through the pipe of time right now. And we have to sort of plan for, you know, invest and prepare accordingly for for what's going on. <laughs> well, again, though, like I think of like information like that, and you see like oh how kind of like dry and like how um, you know intensely analytical th- th- these programs are and stuff, and like yeah, know, and they're dwelling on such morbid things. It could have been scenes of the, the, these guys walking around and Rams constantly co- talking about this stuff. Like he's, you know, like the, the bubblegum yeah. shrimp kind of thing where he's just talking about all the different kinds of shrimp. But he's constantly <laughs> yeah. telling Flynn oh. about like, oh, you know, to anticipate someone's life uh, lifespan, you can do, 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 and just go into the really morbid, but also just, very like, yeah. technically boring kind of stuff. There's like a whole, like just this montage of they leave him in one scene, one scene saying death by drowning. Death by electricity, <laughs> death by dismemberment, and then it cuts to another scene, and it cuts back to him, and he's like, "Death by burning, you know, <laughs> death, death by animal attack, and uh, death by lightning strike." And then we get into the more, you know, it's like, "Okay, I get it, I get it." There's lots of ways. There's lots of ways, you know. Yeah, that would have been great. There's a, there's a real missed opportunity there for actuarial table humor that they didn't they didn't put into the film. Yeah, this is like at one point a character like falls off like a cliff and dies. It's like I didn't mention death by falling off a cliff. <laughs> He's like, death oh by yeah, death by cliff. That's right. I forgot. I forgot to mention that one. You know, that would be really good. I imagine that if you're uh, like an insurance salesman or an adversar an advertiser or something like that, you can probably just take a glance at somebody and know. 80% of what they're all about, like almost immediately. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, if that's the, the case of some people. Because you, you always get that kind of slight fear that some people have with like um, like psychiatrists and psychoanalysts. Like yeah. if you're talking to them, they're like, are they constantly assessing you? Are they constantly been like, every bit of information they give you, or, or you give them, are they turning it over in their head going like, okay, I understand this person now. Like you'd be constantly paranoid about it. But yeah, like insurance people who are really into like this, that side of like, the actuarial stuff. Are they constantly going like, oh, so uh, what did you say you had for dinner last night? Oh, that's that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what age are you? Thirty-seven, yeah. huh? How much uh, how much sleep do you usually get? Oh, I see, I see, I see. What do you mean? What do you mean? I was like, oh, so that's uh, you buy uh, you buy a lot of new cars. I was like, oh, what happened to your last one? <laughs> it's like constantly assessing little things that you're up yeah. to. I remember there was a story with uh, with Orson Welles. Because he would do this, he had this party trick for a while where he would pretend to be psychic. 
<laughs> and uh like he remember but he because he he wanted to debunk psychics right he's like i don't believe in the psychic nonsense and he's like i can fake being a psychic and i'll be able to fool lots of people so it was his party trick and he memorized a bunch of like baloney things to say that apply to everyone like he'd say oh you have you have small scars on your knees and people would be like oh yeah yeah i do and it's like everybody has small scars on their knees from like playing as kids you yeah. know or you like a certain amount of order, but you don't like being told what to do, you know? And people are like, oh my gosh, yes, that's so true. That's so me. And yeah. he's like, no, that's, that's, that's everybody, you mm. know? And he had like a bunch of these tips and tricks and stuff like that. And he was one, and he'd set up shop and entertain passersby as part of his act. But one time a woman walked in after he'd been doing this for like a year, one woman walked in and he glanced at her and right away he was like, oh, your husband died recently. Mm and uh he was right holy crap and she was like yeah yeah and so right then and there he was like well that's it and so he like he just he just packed up and stopped like quote unquote pretending to be psychic because he had become so good at kind of faking it that he'd sort of skipped over into being able to unconsciously really read people really well and know stuff about them immediately and he said if he had kept on doing that he would have ended up believing that he actually was psychic you know but also is like is that what psychic people are are they just yeah. like way more observant than normal people like sherlock holmes or something like that you know mm. this is like on the basis of like orson wells actually still lives today but he's become like dr manhattan he <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can't see people as people anymore he says, "You are." It's, he uh, walks into a party. He's like, "You are a collection of particles." Uh, you are <laughs> a collection of motion on a crusted plates on the molten lava of the earth. <laughs> Everyday miracles convinced that they're common. <laughs> That's why he got into all that um, Paul Masson wine <laughs> and stuff. He's like, "I yeah. need to drink." Oh, the, the, French. Oh, yeah. the French. Yeah. He's like, "I need. Like, I could tell everything that was going on with everybody in that room. I needed to do something to drive it out of <laughs> I had my mind. to take the edge off." Uh, yeah, being psychic. Like there was a friend of mine who said, "I used to want to be psychic, but Twitter and Facebook cured me of that." <laughs> you know, and I think that if you were psychic and you couldn't turn it off, that would be pretty much horrifying. Like I, I like the in the recent Superman movies when you see Superman as a kid and he can't turn off his super hearing or his X-ray vision. Mm. Right, you know, he's just getting inundated. Like he closes his eyes and it doesn't make any difference. You know, yeah, he covers yeah. his ears and it doesn't make any. You got to learn how to control it. So yeah, having that kind of unrestrained psychic power, I think, would be a bit of a curse. Mm. You know, seeing into the private lives of every single person that walks by when you just want to buy some milk. You know, <laughs> like it would be like, how do you, how do you survive? I heard. Well, the actor, well, Ned Ryerson, going back to Stephen Tobolowsky. Mm the actuarial tables he actually believes himself to be deeply psychic yeah the actual but, but, actor listen to we had um his podcast i remember that was the that's where the band radiohead got their that's got right their, that's got right their name yeah. from the talking head song radiohead which is based on david burns exp experiences with stephen Tobiaski and stuff that's um, right that's right but again, yeah, really cool. All indicating Stephen Stephen Tobolowsky should have been playing Ram in this movie. <laughs> like it's again, coming full circle until like, yeah, that's what should have happened. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me. Also, it also reminds me a little bit of. I've heard that some cultures have a a, a belief of a notion of a of a death dream. Mm. Like you dream about how you're gonna die. Yeah. 
So once you know how you're going to die, you can charge into any battle you want without fear, as long as mm. it looks nothing like your death dream. Because you won't, you know, you're not going to die then. You're like, oh, it's raining. So in my death dream, it's very sunny. So yeah. I can go in here with no fear. <laughs> Do you imagine, like, and I was also thinking, like, would, like, would Ram be able to see readouts above everybody's head about, like, how much time they had left? Mm. Like as how much life they had left, you know, like a little countdown above everybody's yeah. head. That would be cool. If you could sort of hack into people. It could be just one of those things that like they have to have him give him like an arc where like, yeah, he's going along yeah. with these guys and he seems like so intently useless because he's just boring them with all these details about like st- figures and statistics and stuff. And then, you know, towards the climax of the movie, they start realizing like, wait a minute, we can actually use Ram to assess this you know, what's this battle? How's this going to work out and stuff? They realize, like, oh, you guys yeah. put this guy to good use in battle through an analytical, you know, side rather than an action-packed kind of side and stuff. Yeah, we've got the, we've got the cheat codes with us right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, like Ram Ram can tell what's our what's our probability of survival with this plan. You know, mm. like he can he can help us right off right off the way. <laughs> or you or you could have a, an arc where he's timid because every step has a percentage attached to it. And then by the end of the film, after hanging out with Flynn and Tron, he's like, you know what? Forget percentages. Yeah. You know? Because, again, a million things you could be doing with Ram <laughs> instead of just being like, yeah, he's he's your buddy. He's your, he's your Chewbacca, basically. Like, he's a guy. That yeah. He's sort of like, hey, guys, I want to be part of it, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's really got, he's really marked. Mm. <laughs> He's just a, a basic a, a, surprised I'm not got him in like the red jumper just sitting yeah, there. Yeah, a little a little red shirt of some kind. <laughs> now the cells that they're all in, uh they were just black boxes covered in velvet and laid out in a proper way so that the actors could lean on it and sit on it and interact with it. And then afterwards all the walls and light lines, everything we see was painted in later with airbrushes and backlit techniques. Mm. The live action part is actually just a small element of what ends up on screen. Kind of like Sin City or The Captain of Tomorrow and other films like that. I, I it's imagine like, it's, like the, the level of work that went into all this technical detailing. There must be of, pe- people who worked on Tron who are still feeling the intense disappointment of the fact that it wasn't a huge success. Because <laughs> the, the amount oh. of time and effort you would have put in, you'd still never quite recover from like... Oh, I really thought we were like creating the new Star Wars, basically. Like the nobody, like from all of the research I've done, everybody that was involved was neck deep in the belief that it was going to be huge, Mm. and the disappointment that it wasn't still echoes today with most of the crew and the creatives (laughs) that were involved. Mm. They're still proud of what they've done. There's, nobody's ashamed of what they've done. They're all very proud of what they've done, but they're still kind of mystified as to why it didn't hit as big as it did. And I've got a few theories about that, but I think there's the, there's the, the issues were like three, I think. I think one, people, co- computers weren't as commonplace as they are, even like even four or five years later, right? Mm. At the time, computers were still magic mystery boxes which should have worked in its favor, but like people were like, why would I go see a film about computers that has nothing to <laughs> do with my life? People could be freaked out that like, there's many people living on my computer. Ugh, I don't want that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a metaphor, you know. There's <laughs> metaphors living in my computer? No, you don't. No, you don't understand. You know, and also, I mean, I've said it before a few times on the podcast, it's just the summer of 1982. 
Mm. Those those six weeks of like yeah, Conan the Barbarian, Star Trek Two, E.T., Poltergeist, uh, Conan, Tron, Blade Runner, they all just came out within six weeks of each other. They just they just it was ridiculous. It's one of the biggest concentrated gluts of awesome movies that have ever happened in the history of cinema. <laughs> and they all just got laid on the table, bang, 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 and this is like before many multiplexes were out there, everybody had to sort of make their choice of like what movie to watch. Imagine this showing up behind it like, hey, don't forget about your old buddy Tron. Uh, I'm here too. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here too. Uh, you're losing him. Close the deal, Tron. Close the deal. Like sneaking in between E.T. and Blade Runner. Like, hey, I'm over here. How's it going, guys? Yeah, come on in. I'm, a, I'm also a movie that you could watch, you know? <laughs> This is like everyone's like, oh, I saw that Tron. I was only I only saw it because E. T. was sold out. <laughs> that, the entire reason. <laughs> yeah, I think they ended up getting the the, the runoff from the yeah. other movies that were sold out. You know, like, that's my that's my my brother's tale of um, the the, the not very well remembered movie, A Life Less Ordinary. Uh, right, with Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz. Uh, it's a good he, movie. Saw, he saw that in the cinema three times. He's like, I only saw it in the cinema three times because every time I went to try to see Titanic, it was sold out. <laughs> and, oh, like, okay. and there was nothing <laughs> else playing. But I was like, all right, life less, we've already drove all the way out here. I guess I'm going to a life less ordinary again. Yeah. No, it's interesting when uh, when Ram tells Flynn that he's an actuarial program, Flynn's actually a bit of a, a, a little bit of a dick here. He's mm. really very, he's very obviously not impressed you know, and he even sarcastically says, "Yeah, that's uh, that's great, actuarial yeah. program, nice." <laughs> mm-hmm. like, Again, that's, uh, that's like, not that's not Flynn's type of computing. Like he is, he's too much of a rogue at heart. So even when he's sitting just, you know, tapping t, like you know, tapping keys in the real world, that ain't real yeah. computing, actuarial programs. Like that's boring. That's stuff for nerds. No, even he's though. doing uh, infiltration and seeker programs or whatever. Mm. That's a, I do love that though as a thing like looking at the movie now because again you know the what computers turn out to be is so intensely different but like them like portraying like oh this daring do hacker culture but it's like literally you you have to literally type in everything into the computer like it can't there's no yeah. command prompts or anything there's, there's no coding involved it's just literally like please open up this thing and just type in exactly what you're thinking yeah and the, then pressing the computer send. like yeah. The it's computer the classic, languages uh, in this movie are the, the the classic uh, the black background with the green writing and stuff. It's yeah, that's like, the eighties. Is like that's what computers were. I don't know what happened in ni- like nineteen ninety. We're like we're turning our back on the black background and the green writing forever. Now computers yeah. have white backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. They don't like it's always that um, what do you call it like adventure game instructions. You know, mm. go here, infiltrate CPU. Yeah. secret plans I like, yeah, some, some of Flynn, like Flynn's hacking program. just seems to be like okay let me into this <laughs> like it's, yeah it's, where's the where's the, all the you know the, the crazy hacker coding kind of stuff going on like, I'm sure it probably actually is in there as well but like it just really seems like he's just literally typing what he wants to happen and then the computer does it's it for fall. yeah it's for the benefit of the audience that's yeah. uh, that's the way that's all it's all for as as usual with these things and then uh, Ram asks Flynn, how about yourself? And Flynn says, oh, I don't uh, remember too much. Name's Flynn. Now, I guess this is just him being cagey and not wanting to reveal that he's basically a demigod or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He does, yeah he, I, I think, think he, it, yeah, it's, I understand it. It's, it's like it's not, a, it's not a conversation you want to have right now. <laughs> like, oh, I have to explain 
so yeah, much. Yeah, if, if, if your cellmate is like, oh, yeah, I'm the son of Christ. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, that's um, super interesting. Super interesting. <laughs> like Ram would be like, a user, huh? Ah, so uh, they've locked me up with someone who's not uh, on an even keel here. Yeah. I was like, how'd you get in here? He's like, I don't know. They had some kind of weird laser gun outside. I'm not entirely sure what happened myself. I'm like, okay. I'm from the outside, man. I'm from the outside. <laughs> like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, my ex-wife was from the outside, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ram says, sure, sure, a little disorientation. That's normal in transport. It'll come back to you. Hmm. Um you know, I was thinking it'd be a pretty wild thing in Star Trek if the after, if an after effect of transportation was like five hours of temporary amnesia every time you transported. Oh, because it'd be paying the ass for like away missions. <laughs> They're like, okay, yeah, let's make sure we get down there five hours in advance. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be like, okay, it'll take four and a half hours by shuttle, mm. or we can get down there immediately with transport, but we won't know who we are for five hours so maybe let's just take the shuttle <laughs> you know? well, that, that would be like a good like two-parter episode though like maybe not as a, as a permanent fixture but like say like yeah the transporter's acting up but we've got an emergency going on but if you send people through the transporter yeah. they have to bring like prompts so they they have to go in like memento style where they have to like well this thing's written on my own what does this mean and stuff and work out exactly why they've been sent that strikes me as a really really good premise for yeah an episode where you see a crew it would be it would be really it would be cool it would cool it'd be cool both ways it'd be cool if it was Captain Picard and everybody but nobody knew who they were and so they had to figure out who they were and they didn't have the the signifiers on their collars or anything like that or if it was a a crew that we'd never met before as yeah. viewers and so and they interesting were just like, as like a as like a pilot like this is the first episode so you're introduced to characters like this. And then you're you're finding out with them who exactly they are and stuff. Oh my gosh, we just wrote we just wrote the pilot for the new Star Trek show. That'd yeah. be a fantastic pilot. Yeah, it's got, it, I'm sure they they're they're dying for more of them over there. So. <laughs> yeah, they got the no, I uh, it'd be good. Yeah, I am looking forward oh, to Picard well, yeah. though. I've, I've got a lot of build up to like. All right, when's this Picard come showing? I, I, I just feel bad though because I'm a big fan of uh, Brian Fuller. Uh, and I know he he got screwed over by Discovery and apparently the Picard show as well. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, apparently someone said, someone who knew him apparently said like once he saw the trailer for Picard, he actually was like started crying because he's like I pitched them this exact show years ago and they told me no. <laughs> like, and just, what a drag! I can see things in there that I specifically told them I wanted, and the, they told me not a chance. And now they've just gone and made it without me and stuff. <laughs> it's like that must be that, that guy is just doomed. Like he's just got. Great, great potential, and he's always coming out with these great ideas and great shows. And then something always happens where he's just not involved the entire way through, or the show is just canceled outright. Shoot, but the... well, that's anyway. too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. And then, uh, uh, what's that? Oh no, no, go, go, run ahead. Well, there's more. There's more. Yeah, I mean, there's three. There's three Star Trek shows coming out. I think there's Discovery. There's a next season of Discovery. There's Picard, and there's another. There's a uh, below this, decks. This, this, they're opening it up to fans, and you can submit any idea we want. We need to get in there, Duncan. Write this pitch <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Get in there. That's it. That's it. The deadline's in four hours. Yeah, the deadline's in four hours. We have to go. <laughs> there's a then there's a there's an electric sort of zap tack like one of those um 
those bug killer light things there's an electric zap on top of the cell where they're standing and i love that the guards can just walk on this transparent ceiling that was really really cool at the time mm. that was like what and that, that, uh, that, that's an effect like because i'm assuming there's not actual glass there above bridges but there is a person very blatantly kind of hovering above him so no yeah he's just he's just composited in like they they just they got a camera shot of a, you know a top-down camera shot of one of those guards walking around and mm. then they just composited him on top of the you know no space top of the cell so it looks like he's walking on an invisible ceiling yeah and you can see done. it in his shadow you can see in the guard's shadow it's pretty like it's cut off the guard's shadow is cut off in a way mm. where you can sort of see the framing of the original shot and it's it's supposed to be like the guard's reflection on top of the cell but it's not uh it's really really cropped the shadow is really cropped in a way that's kind of messy looking but but i didn't really notice until i was really going in here minute by minute and seeing it in like high definition i was like oh my gosh that's that looks like a real amateurish mistake that they've got this <laughs> cropped off shadow that doesn't mm. make any sense for the guard but but there but the one thing that i really like is that the the, the guard's staff tip pulses with rainbow light mm. I love that the guards' uh, staff tips all pulse with rainbow light. This this tool of torture and and oppression. It's got like pretty little rainbow lights coming off of it. I love that. I think that's like a, a wonderful. There you go. Gotta tra- cheer cheer up the cell block somehow. <laughs> yeah, check this out, guys. Woo! <laughs> you know, It'd be pretty fun. And then we get a shot of the interior of Sark's bridge as he strolls around, and one of his mm. bridge crews says, uh, "Sir, conscript being moved from pit to cell, from pit cell to ring game." And then we get a little insert shot on the screen of the crew member's desktop of Flynn being moved. He turns and says, you know, before a guard pokes him with the staff and Flynn says, hey, you guys sure are friendly, aren't you? <laughs> before the uh, the picture dissolves in this sweet, sweet horizontal bar sort of de-resing effect. They didn't mm. need to go to the extra mile for that, but it's, it's a really well, cool effect. One of those things, though, because, you know, Sark storming about on this bridge you know, reminds reminds me of certain things, and the thing is, because of the the amount of time it would have taken to make Tron, you know, we know like the the, the legacy of Star Wars is like oh, so you know, um, influential over like so many different films and stuff. But like, I, this makes me instantly think of like oh yeah, Darth Vader at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, like walking around on the bridge while there's literally yeah. minions on computers, you know, beneath them and stuff. But the thing I could be like oh, that's where they're getting this from, and then even like the the you know. You can have, oh, Master Control is the Emperor, Sark is Darth Vader, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same yeah. time, like those like, those are sequel movies. Like Tron could have been well into development by the time Empire Strikes Back came out. So I don't know if that is an influence on it. And then the whole emp- Emperor-Vader relationship isn't really seen properly until Return of the Jedi. Like That's like a year after this comes out. So yeah. I'm wondering, if it, is it just sheer coincidence? Or is it just like, oh, we're just, you know, we kind of knew what was happening there. We're extrapolating from the same ideas and stuff i think it's just like the idea of an emperor and a lieutenant Mm -hmm. and the lieutenant being the the big bad guy until you see that the lieutenant is actually working for an even bigger badder guy and this is like you know the king or the emperor or something like that i think that's a that's a trope that goes back to 1920s serials or even I don't know, literature from the invention of the printing press. Like, I think that's mm. something that is a bit of a, a bit of a mythical constant 
in terms yeah. of the stories that we tell as, as as a human race. So I think that that structure is something that you know was touched on by both Lucas aping earlier serials and uh, and then here I think it's just a similar thing. I think it's a coincidence that they both yeah. ended up in similar. See, actually, yeah, even like yeah. Like he's taken from Flash Gordon, and then Flash Gordon you had like yeah. Ming the Merciless, but then you had like yeah. he had like little yeah like a right hand who was always going about doing for suffering as well. So yeah, yeah, and like every few seasons you'd defeat the right hand, and then a new one would come up, and then mm. you know, but the main boss remains undefeated until the big the big climax. Mm. Or if you're Star Wars, uh, he keeps recurring even after you he defeat him multiple recurring. times. <laughs> He like, weebles and he wobbles, but he can't fall down. It's like yeah. you can literally throw him in a giant chasm where he definitely died on an exploding space station. But no, he's yeah. fine. <laughs> Don't he's worry okay. about it. Woo, gotta shake that one off. Gotta dust <laughs> off the shoulders on that one. That was close. <laughs> it's like, what an inconvenient 20 years has been for me. having <laughs> to get over that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the bridge, uh, the bridge consists of three red guys sitting on blue stools with turquoise ring bases and glowing blue ribs. One of the three guys is looking into a pretty huge monitor, almost like a microfiche viewer at a library or something. Like he's got mm. his hands inside the monitor, like it's a laundry chute or something. Mm. And then there's uh, another guy up in a sky chair dangling from the ceiling. And there's the massive map of the grid behind them. Mm. It looks like it's got two cities or mazes with uh, I.O. towers in the center. And I'm assuming the main one is the MCP. And there's little green and red dots sprinkled around the maze. Probably units being monitored, I guess. And then Stark says, uh, wait, let him fight one of his own kind. Which is a little confusing because I had assumed that meant let him fight another user. But I guess that means let him fight another uh, blue guy, let him find another another conscript. Yeah. Not a not a not a warrior elite. So it's prisoner against prisoner, which is pretty brutal. Mm. Uh, I imagine they would do that in the um, in the arena in Roman times. Like, sure, you can have gladiators fight some prisoners, but I guess it's probably even more <laughs> cruel to have imagine the prisoners that, though, fight prisoners. If it were uh, like uh, like annoying version of ram where he's constantly coming out with like statistics and stuff like i'm pitching the flynn like yeah you have to kill these guys like oh instantly yeah 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 no problem at all like, give me that disc <laughs> yeah that's right just killing him in the cell <laughs> just like there you go i'm done yeah no 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 wait 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 till the arena oh sorry oh you didn't oh you didn't tell me sorry about that you keep killing your your cellmates you gotta wait <laughs> but in, in flynn's mind is like ah oh, they're just computer programs like i'm an actual person so <laughs> yeah oh me. my gosh that's right he could just lay waste to all of them like what they're sims who cares yeah. well this could have gone a very dark different direction tron could have been a whole <laughs> a whole other thing <laughs> tron legacy could have been like that he's like yeah, yeah, sure. I'm like rewriting everybody's programs and deleting half of them. They're just programs, and they have to like rise up and take out Flynn. Yeah, that would have been a whole 100%. other movie. I think I'm thinking we're, we've got the really solid foundation of a Tron three here. Like I know that like, yeah. you know they've been trying to make Tron three for a while, but the, yeah, been, and the you know, the premise that I heard was that it would mostly be about Korra in the real world learning what it means to be human. Which no. I'm kind of not really into as a premise. I'm like, nah, that's I don't. I got nothing against Cora, and I'd love her to be in the movie, but I don't know if I want that to be the central theme. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, but we'll see. You've we'll seen those. That, that's a trope you've seen too much, though. Like the, the, the part, like oh, the, 
you know, trying to like finding out that people eat animals, like oh, like what? This is a barbaric society, yeah, and things like yeah. that. Like, or finding out about war, or finding out about you know the glory of rain, or yeah. tell me more of this earth thing you call <laughs> kissing or whatever. You know, all... <laughs> again though, oh, now yeah. we've got a backup script for Tron Three in the, in the works <laughs> yeah, here. That's right. That they don't that's go right. for the <laughs> like, oh, Flynn becomes like a megalomaniac psychotic who's just you know completely broken off from. The programs because he's just like, well, they're just programs. Who, who demonic cares? overlord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going for that one. All right, bring out the stupid, like, oh, the Wonder of Rain <laughs> script that we've got here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we cut to a black screen and then a door slides up, revealing two programs standing silhouetted by yellow light. Mm. And who are these people? What is this game? What's going <laughs> to happen? Again, though. Shot reminded me very Return of the Jedi with the the Jabba's palace's door opening again would have been out the following year so there's no way it could have been an influence on it but it just really reminded me because I was in that mindset already it's like oh that's that's very Star Wars looking as well actually but I can see that for sure at the same time though I think that's that's that kind of shots like going back to like the searchers as well you know iconic ending shot of like the open door the person standing in silhouette and stuff but uh, yeah. It's always a good shot too. Like that's a that's that in itself is a handsome, you know, shot. Like you could make that a poster, just like slap Tron yeah. on the bottom, put the taglines around around them. There you go. You got a poster right there. Yeah, that's it. I guess that takes us to the end of this minute. I mean, the differences between the novel and the screenplay aren't that much. The novel's pretty much the same, except that Flynn definitely knows who he is, and he's only claiming not to so that he doesn't scare Ram and sound like a lunatic. And yeah. in the screenplay, the screenplay is pretty much the same, except Sark says, wait a minute, put this guy against one of the other recruits instead of let him fight one of his own kind, which is uh, <laughs> same same sentiment, but I think it's it's worded a little better in the movie than it is in the in the screenplay. It's like they're trying to, like, the novel, they're trying to over-explain it. It's like, we don't mean to make him fight another user. I'm talking about make him find, uh, fight another person who's wearing the same exact outfit as he is and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, they do a lot of that in the in the novel. The, the the words are almost exactly the same, but the um, the there's a lot of internal monologuing that helps fill in the blanks of some some parts of the film that maybe aren't exactly on the stream on the screen, but should have been. They, they use it to explain some of the holes, or not holes, but just <laughs> points. David Warner is just having a bad day. He's just like I'm not saying all that. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, make him fight yeah. one of his own. There you go. You're done. <laughs> there you go. Done. All right, well, cool. Do you want to go over it one more time where people can find you if they want to hear more of you? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm, again, uh, I am from Bat Minutes, a podcast where we're analyzing the, the Batman movies from 89, the, the 90s Batman movies, basically. Um, yeah. One minute at a time, uh, currently on Batman Forever. But so you got two whole seasons there to, 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 to delve through if you're interested at all. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can find us on all good podcatchers and um I keep wanting to say iTunes, but I understand it's Apple Podcasts now. Never don't oh, okay. own any Apple products myself, so I'm still kind of behind that a little on that, like changing the rhetoric. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, apparently, apparently we're on Spotify, and we're also on all the all your major social medias. So we're on, I don't know, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Grinder and I don't know all all <laughs> that all that stuff. Um, Excellent. So yeah, just uh, if you all intrigued, like we have a pretty good time over there. So uh, just hop on over. Nice. 
And if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at Toronto, just Google Tronologically Speaking. You'll come up to TronologicallySpeaking.com or Twitter at Tronologically Speaking or send us an email at TronologicallySpeaking at gmail.com or go on to Facebook for the Tronologically Speaking Tron Minute by Minute listeners page and post your favorite fan artwork or post your favorite theories or let's just talk a lot about Tron or even tangents related to Tron even mildly. It's, uh, it's just a place to, to shoot the breeze about <laughs> such things. Let's, let's, let's talk about doppelganger. Let's go in let's deep. T- let's talk about. Let's go in deep on doppelganger. Yeah, <laughs> this guy from Tron knows somebody who also worked on this film that somebody else was in. Called <laughs> totally acceptable. Super into it. Shout out to Pond5.com for the cool music for the intro and outro. That's Tron-ish without being copyright. And then special thanks to Star Wars Minute that started it all. Yeah, go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and check out their massive, massive list of movies. And uh, if there isn't, consider one doing one yourself, kind of like Men in Black, for instance. Take on Men in Black. Just learned today that's not on the list, which is a bit shocking. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community if, uh, in my experience. So there you go. I'm shocked about that, about Men in Black. Oh, yeah. I think that's... I think I've been saying it for years as well. Like ever since I reached our Batman, I'm like, what, what, why isn't this happening? Why, why, how can there not be a Men in Black minute? But it's like uh, when I when I saw that Tron wasn't on the list, I was like, excuse me. So yeah. like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm taking that on. So I have a, a tense one where um, I'm thinking after Batman it wraps. Like I, I kind of want to do Nightmare on Elm Street, and there was one in development, uh, and. Like it was down, it's down on like the, it's down on the sheet. The list, been like, the yeah, this is, this yeah. is happening. But I know like people who know the guy who was doing it and they're like, it, it ain't happening anymore. So like now I'm like, can That's I, too bad. cause I won't be able to get to it for years, but it's like, should I swoop in and claim it? But then I don't want to be the one who's like, someone else might want to come along in the meantime and do it. And then I'm just sitting on the idea. And this yeah. is like, I don't want to stop anyone else from making a, like, a, well, a potentially better show like it. Just gotta have conversations and figure it all out. You know, it's uh, it's hard work making one of these things, and so you gotta hats off to people that want to attempt it. You know, but I think there's a lot of half finished movie by minute podcasts out there. That's why the central rule of the movie by minute community is: if you start one, finish one. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's a that's a good rule of thumb because it's gonna be a challenge, but just <laughs> power through. There's gonna be trials and tribulations and stuff that gets in the way, but you gotta power through. That's why I'm pretty stoked to be doing it <laughs> but do you want to try a little uh, what's that i was gonna say i was actually gonna say should we try an, an end of line but the, yeah that's what i was see. gonna say yeah let's try a little end of line on three here all right three two one end, end of, of line. line hey all right we got it that time <laughs>